those nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry-free. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Joining me this week on Inside Supercars is Tom Howard, the 2019 Journalist of the Year, who in 2020 decided to head home to the UK where he's certainly experienced lockdown in its uh, fullest form. Tom, it's great to catch up with you. Yeah, it's great to, uh, great to talk to you again. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, yeah, it's been quite an interesting nine months, probably something I hadn't quite planned for. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been different, I would say that. It's, it's safe to say you left Australia right at the top of your game in the industry here. How has moving back to uh, England and having to restart yourself, how, and on top of that, in a COVID world, how how have you managed through that? Yeah, it's not been it's not been easy. Uh, certainly, it's been a challenging period. Obviously, I was planning to come back to the UK in 2020, in early 2019. So I've already had the plan for the year ahead. Um, so. Yeah, the first, first thing to let speak up, I know, was plenty of time uh, before so that they could re, you know, reshuffle things. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been pretty tricky. I arrived in the UK the day before lockdown. Um, I didn't have a job planned, but I had a few options to look at uh, when I got here. But obviously, the, the lockdown and COVID uh, ended those opportunities pretty fast. Um, so it's been sort of free challenges. So I've gone, had to sort of, sort of reinvent myself a little bit and uh, gone freelance. And yeah, it's been, it's been, been tricky. I've done a few bits of writing, but mainly the biggest gap in the market over here, I think, is the video. So I've decided that that was the best uh, avenue to, to go down. And I've been doing videos freelance places for, for the year and it's been pretty fun, actually. Primarily, you've been working on the British Touring Car Championship. Can you talk to us a little bit about the difference between the British Touring Car Championship and supercars, which you were primarily focused on in the last few years of your time at Speed Cafe? Yeah, obviously there are a lot of big differences. And just to sort of fill in the gaps there, the, the, I've been working for a team called Motorbase Performance who run three Ford Focus race cars in the British Touring Car Championship. Uh, it's a team that I've known um, for about 10 years now. In fact, they were the first team I ever reported on as a journalist. My first job in 2007 at a local newspaper called Kent on Sunday. Um, so I've known them for a long time and when I told them like, I was back and uh, I didn't have much going on, I literally just emailed them and said, hey, I'm, I'm actually quite bored here in lockdown. Is there anything I can do to help out? And they were like, oh, they were pretty open arms and said, oh yeah, can you do some videos for us? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So um, 
I'm really grateful for them to uh, a, remember me from my time uh, about all those years ago and um, to sort of give me this lifeline, which has been, I have to say, I'm hugely grateful for because um, I would have been sitting around doing rather little without it. But yeah, so going back to the championship, um, BTCC is actually like having been away for seven years, um, it's changed a lot in the seven years that I've been away and I feel it's in a much better spot than it was when I left it. And in many ways, you could argue that it's in the best spot it's been probably since the Super Touring era, actually. It's um, very healthy in terms of grid size. We've got, uh, we would have had 30 cars this year, but COVID uh, meant we lost three. So we had a, a season of 27 cars, which is a healthy championship. Uh, the championship went down to the wire with five uh, drivers all able to take out the title of the final round were driving for five different teams. So it's one of those ones where it's super competitive. Um, there are, there are, there's a good crop of about 10 drivers that are capable of challenging for the title, which is a really cool championship to be sort of working for and, and see unfold. But um, yeah, it's certainly not, it doesn't have quite the sort of show and sort of, I don't know what the word to describe, the sort of the, I guess the glamour that Supercard has in terms of, in, you know, in Australia, Supercard is one of your core sports, uh, whereas here, um, motorsport isn't quite, I don't think, quite as big or mainstream as it is in Australia. So it doesn't quite get the, Eyeballs, maybe it should, but certainly the British Touring Car Championship's biggest boost is the fact that it's all on free-to-air TV. And during lockdown and and these times, that is an absolute uh, godsend for them because with Formula One behind a paywall here, um, uh, this has been a really good year for the British Touring Car Championship to showcase itself to a whole bunch of new fans that are just crying out for some motorsport and can't watch anything. So, yeah, I'd say. The championship is very different in terms of it's not like to say it's not as professional is, is a harsh way to describe it. They're, they are both professional championships, but Supercars for me edges it from from a sort of professional side of things. But certainly the racing and the, and the championship itself, it's on a par with Supercars in terms of competitiveness for sure. Now, Tom, my memory is that there's no franchises like we see in supercars in the BTCC. Alan Gale lets people just come along and run whenever they want to. Actually, that's not the case. It actually follows the supercars model now. Uh, certainly in the last uh, seven or seven or eight years, they have a, a rec procedure, uh, very like supercars, but they're called TBL. So they're, they're licenses, essentially. Um, so you have to meet the requirements to get a license and that license doesn't mean you have to end all the races. So, um, yeah, it's very similar. They've copied that from Supercars. Definitely, that's the model they've got. But, um, yeah, so there's been 27, so 27 licenses are, are active at the moment and have been this year and the whole year. They, all the teams have done all the races. So, um, it's one of those models where you can, the grid can be expanded to 30. It is capped at 30 at the moment because uh, certainly in about 2014, it was 32 cars, but that was actually too big for the paddocks uh, at the circuits now. So they couldn't actually physically cope with the amount of 
uh, sort of team procedures and, and equipment to cope with 32 car grid. So it has been capped to 30 cars. Um, I think next year will be interesting. I'll be surprised if it stays 27 because it's been tough times here with COVID. Um, but certainly, oh, it wouldn't be less than 25 cars. So I think it, they're, they're certainly in for a good season. But sponsorship is as is tough. And I say, having worked for a team this year, it's not easy to find budget um, in these times. So 2020 is going to be a real test for the championship to see how it copes. Because, um, and likewise, the Super Cup, I'm sure it would be the same over there. Sponsorship is going to be harder to find. Uh, 2020 is going to be uh, 2021. Sorry, it's going to be difficult. I think, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Um, certainly, the signs are at the moment. Certainly, the news just yesterday. Actually, um, one of the teams has now bought two, um, has got rid of their Mercedes and bought two new BMWs from West Surrey Racing, which have won the team's championship this year and won the drivers last year. So it's a it's a really good car. So people are buying cars, which is a good sign. So there's certainly, definitely some teams have got some money, some probably haven't. Are the cars used anywhere else in the world or are they only used in the BTCC? No, they're only used in the BTCC. They are what's known as next generation touring cars, NGTC specification touring cars. So they are slightly faster than TCR spec cars, but you could draw very, you know, they're very similar to TCR spec, but they are different and you couldn't race, for example, you can't race a TCR spec car in the series and vice versa, you can't race a BTCC car in TCR. So, they're, yeah, they are different. They are different. There are, the differences are, are not as great as, say, um, you know, going from a supercar to TCR, for example, but uh, they are different. And sizes of teams. When you look at a supercar team, which can be up to 60 people at the biggest end, how many people are working on teams in the average two, three-car team? Yeah, so the team I'm working for, Motorbase, is a three-car team. Um, but full-time employees and weekend employees, that's where the championships are different. So, uh, for example, there's only five or six full-time employees in the team I'm working for, Motorbase, and that would be very similar throughout the paddock. But on a weekend, you have a lot of, uh, help and, and what they call weekend warriors, if you like. Um, so, for example, three car team, we've, we're running at around about 30 to 40 people on a race weekend. But again, only five or six of those are full time. So it's, um, it's an interesting way to go about it. But I have to say, uh, certainly this year, it, it works. Like it's a, it's a model that works. Um, and it means that the teams are able to function. And, um, and for example, the team I work for, Motorbase, they, they chose, obviously, prior to knowing what was happening with COVID, they chose to develop a whole new, brand new car over the winter, uh, which is a sizable amount of money to put into that, uh, which meant uh, they designed the car in-house and constructed it with a few uh, people to help out from other companies. Um, so a big undertaking. Um, but they, they pulled it off and they were rewarded with, you know, five wins this year, which they last year they only had a couple. So the car's a lot better. But yeah, so there's definitely, you can design and build a car, uh, a brand new car for the BTCC with a very limited amount of people um, full time. 
and be successful. Uh, so I guess that's one of the championship's pros is that you don't need to outlay an awful lot of money like you would with, say, when the Mustang came in. That was a huge project in supercars. A lot of people were working on that. Um, yeah, different here. A lot different here. You don't need that level amount of people to, to bring a car to life. And did teams have to lay off many of their permanent employees? Oh, that's a good question. I don't, certainly the team I work for, they didn't. Um, I would imagine that some teams did, um, but it wouldn't have been anywhere near, um, because they're already pretty small to begin with, um, they wouldn't have had to do, I don't think they would have had to make too many redundancies. So that's that's another, I guess, bonus of the model, certainly in these tough times. Um, so, yeah, it, it certainly, there wasn't a, a great deal of, I talk about people making a redundant second year. Now, I spoke to Alan Gow, it was probably three or four years ago now, and he said he was very late to the party with um, web video and online presence. Has that been one of the big things that you've noticed about uh, the BTCC yeah. and uh, supercars and, and motor racing in Australia? Yeah, no, you guys, your media scene is in many ways much more advanced than it is over here. That's not to say that uh, we're behind the times over here at all. There certainly is. Pe- there are people and championships are embracing new media uh, and ways of doing things. But certainly, I found a gap with video. There weren't many. In fact, there was one team uh, doing video in BTCC uh, last year. Um, so I came in and sort of spotted this. As an, as an avenue, seen as like most teams in supercars have a, some sort of video presence, whether it's you know on race weekend or during the week. Um, certainly, Tickford and Triple Eight and and Penske's have been very proactive. Even Erebus were pretty proactive as well, and Brad Jones, to be fair, um, were very proactive with video. And having seen their successes of that, I I was a little surprised when I got home, over here that there wasn't a lot of that going on. So I decided, well. Certainly, from what I know in Australia, that works pretty well. So I'll adopt the same approach. And as it happens, they've been a real success. And the championship itself has embraced a lot of my video content. And I've seen a lot of other teams follow what I'm doing, which has been quite flattering in a way. But kind of cool because video isn't really my thing. But to see other teams copy is quite funny. But um, anyway, it's been quite good from that, that side of things. But yeah, certainly the championship really pushing forward with videos this year, for example, they've done a behind-the-scenes documentary very similar to the Erebus one, uh, which I've been involved in and certainly helped out with that project. And that has just been, well, the third episode has just been released of that this week. Um, so it's a nine-part series following three teams and three drivers throughout the year, um, which is going to be interesting to see how that goes because it's the first time BTCC's really sort of embraced in that sort of side of video. Um, and so far, it's been well-received. And certainly, the behind-the-scenes stuff is where, where the clicks are because the fans haven't been allowed to go to any of the races over here this year because of COVID. So you've got this untapped audience that just want as much as possible, you know, as much as possible you can give them. So it's a never-ending thing, really. You can just feed them as much as you want and they will watch it because they haven't got anything to go to or you know see so certainly like 
just doing little behind the scenes videos at the workshop and, and has been a godsend for teams like ourselves to boost our numbers and profile and uh, for the championship and for the fans. So it's been a win-win in that regard. Did the BTCC have to change much of how it ran in 2020 to be able to fit the COVID guidelines in the UK? Obviously, not having a crowd is a big change, but uh, did they change the way the events ran or anything like that to make it a, a different product on TV for, for the fans that wanted to engage there? Um, the product didn't really... I suppose the biggest change to the product was they ran all the races on one compound of tyre. Previously, there were two compounds in use and you had to use one in one of the three races on the weekend. So they've made it to save cost of teams. They said, right, let's do one, just one compound and you run the same tyre for all the races. But other than that, um, the only change was we lost the round. There was, so it was a nine-meeting nine championship to the 10. So we lost one. Um, and then everything got condensed pretty tightly. So um, for the teams, it was a lot tougher. They're not used to doing back-to-back races. So there was a period in August where we had uh, four meetings in four in four weeks. So it was it was crazy for the teams. I mean, in Australia, they're sort of used to travelling around a bit, whereas teams here are, are very much used to having their three-week gaps between races. So it was a big shock for them. It wasn't a shock for me because I was like, well, this is kind of normal, really, than <laughs> what I've been used to. Um, but it was a shock for them and logistically it was tough for the teams to get around. But again, when you think about it, it's not that tough compared to Australia because the travelling distances are nowhere near as far and you can just drive to all the races here. So um, the furthest one was Scotland. So, for example... Uh, where, where I'm based from here to Knock Hill um, is a good seven and a half hour drive. But, uh, you know, it's feasible. You can do it. It's not, uh, it, you know, I did it in a day. It's not It's not impossible. Um, but for them, that's quite a big ask. And certainly going from one circuit to another is difficult, certainly with the amount of damage that you tend to get in BTCC because it's, let's, let's just say there's a lot of contact at times um, so you have to carry a lot of spares around so that was kind of the biggest difference um, I suppose the only other thing that they changed was the you weren't allowed obviously to bring too many guests so the guest list was down so it was just basically core staff running the cars and obviously you know wearing PPE for example you had to wear had to wear masks in the garage at all times and towards the end of the year, you had to wear masks in, in the in the paddock the entire time. Um, and obviously, there was there was hand sanitizers at every garage. You had to, you know, there was a lot of making sure social distancing and, and as good as you could was uh, was in place. So those were really the only changes I, I feel. Um, yeah, so the product was largely unchanged, which is good because you don't the product's good. You don't want to change it. It's it's a good product. There's sprint races, there is entertainment. You know, I, I, there's not really been, there's probably only been a couple of dull races this year. Um, so, yeah, uh, not they've had to make changes, but I feel they did, they did a good job, BGCC, to make sure that this went ahead because there's a good chance that this season wouldn't have happened. So, 
the fact they got a season in, and it was a very good season in, in the end in terms of storylines with Ash Sutton winning the title in the end, uh, his second title. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. They did a good job, I have to say. You've got to pay uh, tribute to the teams in the championship for making this happen. They did an excellent job. The, the drivers in Australia, which you know most of them fairly well, they didn't say a lot publicly, but they certainly did say, what a great year. We didn't have to do, particularly on race weekends, a lot of the uh, public-facing, corporate-facing things that they would normally have to do. Was that a feeling from the uh, the drivers in your championship? That- yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, certainly, um, they don't, there's probably not as much uh, of that over here as, compared to supercars, that's another difference, I suppose. There's not so much uh, corporate or TV work that they have to do. Um, but certainly on a Sunday, the race, uh, you know, on a race weekend, the drivers, um, it's pretty hectic for them. It's, it's three races. Uh, in between that, they would have to do some sponsor appearances. There'll be an autograph session. You know, there'll be some TV interviews as well. So to get, to get packed three races into a, into, a, into a day and all that, they're actually on the move quite a bit from place to place all over the paddock. So they don't really, they don't have much time to sit and actually reflect on the race. That's one of the things I've, that's been interesting is, is it's so fast paced on a Sunday here because we don't race on Saturdays that there's very little time to reflect on what's just happened or, or even talk to their engineer. You know, like it's, it's quite, quite fast paced on that side. But yeah, they certainly have benefited from, I reckon, from not having to do They've had a lot more engineer time this year than they have in the previous years, certainly. And do you think there's any any of the changes that they took out of 2020? We'll see in 2021. Do you think they'll they'll try to do the cost saving with the tyres again, or or some other measures that will help help the teams not to have to uh, write as bigger checks, as it were? Yeah, I, I think the tyre thing worked. I think actually. Uh, me personally, I, I'm not a big fan of the two compounds uh, system. I think it's too there's too there's too many variables going on already uh, in this series that you don't need that. And and I think it proved this year you don't like the racing was no you didn't nobody notice a difference. The racing was excellent. So I like to think they continue that on and it does save things money. Um, I wonder. I don't know. Well, obviously they've released the calendar for next year already, and it's a full calendar again. Um, it will be a slightly more con- condensed than it in previous years, but I don't think it'll be anywhere near as condensed as this year. Um, I think the big ticket item for the teams, certainly moving forward, is they're probably they're very keen to delay the hybrid system because that is supposed to come in in twenty twenty two, but they want to delay that to twenty twenty three because of the extra cost and how. Times will be tough for the next couple of years financially in terms of sponsorship. So there's a very much a, a core movement that wants wants to delay that because that's an extra thirty grand, I think, per car uh, for the hybrid system. So um, that's probably the big ticket item on, on the team's minds at this point. I think they'll be pushing hard to try and delay that because um, that is that's going to be a big outlay. Uh, for these guys, certainly not not so much in the supercar sense, but over here that's quite a big outlay for them. So, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest item they'll be worried about. I think. If we look at the the paddock 
or the media centre in Australia over the last few years it hasn't had a lot of changes. There's been maybe one or two people come in every year, one or two people drop out every year, but generally it's shrunk and it's the same faces. You having been away from uh, the BTCC and from English motorsport, national motorsport for seven years, did you find it was a stagnant group of people or did you find they're all new faces there? No, it's pretty pretty much the same people. Um, there's a couple of new faces, but on the whole, it's the same bunch, and that's why it's been quite fun this year because we've just sort of been able to reconnect with a lot of people I knew before I left. So, um, yeah, I think sadly, sadly it is it is the same. I, it's such a shame in a way because I feel like um, this series is now starting to really find its feet. Um, and um, after what has been a difficult, I would say, a difficult period since Super Touring ended, uh, but it's really now back to its best. And certainly popularity, it's really, it's starting to really turn it on again with the fans, which is good. So I'd like to think that in the coming years, once um, hopefully when the world gets a little bit more normal, that the media side of things will expand here because there's definitely a market um, and as I found this year, there's definitely a market for this series um, and that isn't quite being filled at this point. Uh, and there's definitely numbers to be had and, and certainly, uh, yeah, there's there's, pop, there's there's fans to be had too. There's definitely new fans to be had and gained. So I'd like to think that in the future, the media side will get this bigger. How is the, how is the uh, media industry over there, uh, the print publications that are in and around it have they shrunk dramatically and uh, has there been a take-up of the online services uh, to match the the drop in the print yeah that's a good question um certainly uh, we only really have three motorsport dedicated publications here that being autosport uh, motorsport news and motorsport magazine um, so those are really the big three, and to be honest, they've all they've all kept going. Um, so certainly, Motorsport News is a is a printed publication every week. It doesn't have an online presence as such, so it's purely purely print, um, and that's kept going and still going. Certainly, is a bit thinner than it used to be, but it's kept going nonetheless. So um, you have to give credit for that, and it's still a very good publication. Uh, and likewise with the others they have ramped up the other two have ramped up they're online definitely um, uh, but I, I would say I've noticed a great deal of change during the last nine months it's not really people have just pressed forward having said that um, Autosport did have a period where it stopped publishing magazines from April to July so it only started printing again once Formula 1 started up again so there was a period where it did stop completely uh but you could still look at it online um but there just wasn't a hard copy if that makes sense but they are now back up and running again and uh, just this week actually they have launched their special 70 years of autosport uh bookazine uh which i'm sure will be very popular um since it's their 70 year anniversary this year so um it's actually very good um 
I've actually got a copy that arrived this week, and it's a very, very good publication. So, um, yeah, um, I'd like to think it's gonna, it's, they're going to be okay, but who, who knows what's going to happen? You know, over here it's so volatile. I feel like it's a lot. It seems like you've got you guys in Australia coming out of the uh, tunnel, where we're very much in the tunnel here, and I don't really see much light at the end of it. So um, we'll see. We'll see how things go. It's not the oncoming train, is it? <laughs> Who knows? Well, I think as I said, we're all just waiting for a vaccine here. Whereas at least uh, in Australia, it looks like you guys have done pretty well to get rid of it. So um, uh, yeah, we're very much uh, hoping that a vaccine comes and it works. I know that you've kept an eye on it over here uh, from afar. What did you think watching the coverage of Bathurst with the uh, the, the significantly reduced? Um, a significantly reduced crowd. Oh yeah, it, it, I, I'm actually I'm actually going to go back a little bit first. I actually, the sorry, I do want to say is that certainly through lockdown, where supercars do need to earn some credit and they should get some credit for is their e-series because certainly through lockdown, um, I was watching it every every race here, uh, and I'll be honest, it was the most professionally run e-series I've. I've seen, and they need to take credit for that because they made good television with what they had, and other championships. Like the only one that came close to it, in my opinion, was the Formula One uh, E Series with their production. Um, certainly over, over here, that no one would have seen anything quite like what Supercars put together. That was hugely impressive. But going back to the TV stuff, um, yeah, watching Bathurst uh, certainly was different. Certainly uh, watching it over here. It's the first time I've actually watched a Bathurst in the UK since the Super Touring one uh, in ninety, sort of in the late late nineties there, because that was the only one we had broadcast over here. Uh, but I had obviously ways and means of watching Bathurst. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely strange. But um, I'll be honest, it didn't really. I don't think it detracted from it that much, in my opinion, because I guess I'm so focused on watching just the race that. And that just comes from years of going there and doing live updates and reporting that you don't, you're not focusing on the crowd. You're focusing on the race because you're reporting. So it didn't feel any different in a way, not having a crowd there because I'm so engrossed watching how the race is unfolding that I'm not sitting there going, oh, there's no people on the mountain. But you do obviously see it and you notice it. But certainly the product, again, from a television point of view, there was no difference in my opinion. It was still first class as it always is, and it was a good watch. It's been interesting to catch up with you and, and get your thoughts from afar a and also uh, your first-hand thoughts of the BTCC. What are you hoping for in 2021 with what you'll be able to do as a, a journalist, vi- videographer, and uh, your career? And how, how are you making plans on your career? Uh, that's a good question. Um, certainly, there's a couple of things. Uh, there's a few options out there that I'm investigating, uh, which could lead to sort of full-time employment. Um, so I'm hoping one of those comes off, um, whether that's what I carry on doing or something else. Uh, those are certainly my two options. But yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to be certainly. I feel like I've made actually a lot of progress in areas that I didn't expect to make progress in this year. So I'm really 
happy with how my video skills have come on uh, this year. So I, it would be a shame to let that go to waste. So I'd like to certainly continue doing that. And it's, it is it, it is nice to do something different. Um, having you know done you know ten years of of journalism and you know print and and online to do something a little bit different is quite nice and refreshing. And it's a, it's a nice new challenge as well because you're just learning new things all the time, and it's it's nice to learn new things. So um, I'd like to continue that, but also I definitely would would mind getting there, get my head down into some uh, writing again. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I've got a few options uh, that are there, so we'll just see what happens. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind staying in BTCC throughout. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this year. It's been nice. It's been a good it's been a good uh, series to work in and I can see, I can see where they're going and I can see how this will get bigger and bigger. Um, certainly they're on a bit of a crest of a wave at the moment in terms of there's all sorts of new, you know, like for example, they've got this official documentary that they're doing. There's a brand new bespoke VTCT computer game coming in the next couple of years that, you know, the first time the championships had its own computer game since the, the, the old Toka uh, days. In the PlayStation, so uh, it's good, good twenty years or so, and the, um, so for them to get back to that level shows to me that there's uh, a sign that there's there's big things to come. They wouldn't be they wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't a demand for a game. So there's definitely um, the championship for me is uh, something I'd like to stay working in because it's it, I love doing car racing. It's the best thing I've got over here uh, compared to supercars. So. Um, yeah, hopefully I'm, I'm in that sphere again. You did have a number of years where you worked at racetracks. What is the standard of tracks like, and have has have they been stagnant, or has it been like going to Winton every weekend, or has it uh, have the tracks uh, elevated with the elevation of uh, the professionalism of across the board of motorsport? Uh, I'll be honest, the facilities. Um, there's only one really one track that's changed, and there's a good reason for that. Is that um, Donington Park, uh, the facilities there have been massively improved since I've been away, and that's purely because uh, Motorsport Vision has now bought that as part of its portfolio since I was away. So Jonathan Palmer has been spending a lot of money there, uh, and all of his circuits. Uh, as I used to work with him, and I've experienced his circuits a lot. And all of his circuits, the facilities are second to none. Uh, you really, and it's something I really noticed when I first came to Australia, having worked for those circuits. I was like a little bit shocked at at what the media were dealing with with the sort of lack of facilities at some venues. Um, so certainly, all the MSV circuits, which is he owns pretty much everything other than Silverstone and uh, and. Um, Sorry, he owns pretty much everything other than Silverstone, to be honest with you. Um, so he owns Netherton, Brand Patch, Cadwell Park, Alton Park, Donington Park. So um, all those facilities are top-notch. Uh, and certainly Silverstone being a Grand Prix venue, you, you, you know, the facilities there are always very good. So there's only really a couple of circuits where you go to that you you, you feel like, oh, this could be improved. So, um, yeah, on the whole, uh, they're very good here. Um, uh, certainly, like, for example, and obviously it's sad to say this because it's, uh, it no longer exists, but Adelaide, uh, that event from a media point of view was phenomenal in terms of what 
that was a temporary structure. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's, that's probably better than any permanent structure that we've got here, you know? Like, um, so the, the quality varies, but, um, in Australia and but over here, it's, it's definitely a very good standard and the standard doesn't really drop below a certain standard. Whereas Australia, you can go from sort of the, the sublime to the ridiculous in a way. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those ones. Tom, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, we wish you all the best to you and your family over this Christmas period. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I do miss uh, I do miss a lot of you guys and the, all the media guys from Australia. It's, it was a, a good bunch to work with over there and um, I do uh, I do miss, miss uh, travelling to race back with, with that group. Uh, it's a real core, solid group there. I felt that was sort of had each other's back very supportive so um, I do miss that uh, but uh, I do stay in touch with everyone online so uh, you know, it's, it's all good to catch up with the guys every now and then so uh, yeah I uh, wish everyone all the best to everyone and myself uh, have a good second uh, year my thanks to Tom Howard joining us there on Inside Supercars till next time around keep smiling and bye for now Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.